I believe the most diligent seeking that anybody can do in this life is to come to know who Jesus Christ is and to enter into a personal relationship through faith and repentance. Preaching the old-time gospel with a fresh anointing to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Are you on a search for peace, fulfillment, for God? Well, in the Christmas story from the Bible, we're introduced to the wise men, astronomers from the East that sought after the newborn king. They had many bumps along the road, but found what or who they were looking for. Today, Brian Tyndall will take a look at their quest to find Jesus and share some insight of what that means for us today. So if you have a Bible handy, turn to Matthew chapter 2 for a study entitled, The Quest of Christmas. Here's Brian. Today we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And the title of the message today is, The Quest of Christmas. The Quest of Christmas. We don't use that word quest too much uh, in our modern day uh, English speaking, but the Webster's Dictionary defines a quest as an act of diligent seeking or an adventurous journey. And I believe that's what uh, Christmas should be. I believe that's what the very first Christmas was. I believe we can look back in the passage of scripture that we're about to read and we are going to be reading about the wise men. And the wise men came to that first Christmas where Jesus had been born. And they were on a quest. They were on the quest of Christmas. And that quest was that they might see, that they might know, and that they might worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that that is the quest of Christmas. It's the quest that all of us ought to be on. It's the diligent seeking that all of us ought to be doing this Christmas season. It's the adventurous journey that all of us ought to be taking to see and to know and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to hear uh, a little bit of the quest of these wise men uh, in Matthew chapter 2. It says that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them to know where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, He inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. The wise men were not, were not there the night that Jesus was born. The wise men actually lived hundreds of miles away from Bethlehem. But beginning around the time that Jesus was born, God began to put something within the heart of the wise men that they had this desire within them that they might seek out God, that they might worship God. And this desire that God put in them was a desire that led them to life's greatest quest, the quest of Christmas. And I believe it's not only the quest of Christmas, but it's the quest of every life that's on this earth today. Remember that 
A quest is an act of diligently seeking, or it's an adventurous journey. I believe the most adventurous journey that anybody can have in this life, I believe the most diligent seeking that anybody can do in this life, the most important seeking, the most important journey that anyone can be on is the seeking and the journey to come to know who Jesus Christ is and to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through faith and repentance. There are several things I want us to see about this quest of Christmas, this quest that the wise men were on that we read about here in this passage of Scripture, and indeed the quest that I believe all of us ought to be on this Christmas season. The first thing I see is that all people are created with a need to worship God. I see this in this passage of Scripture. In verse 1 it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Why were these wise men coming? Why did they leave their home hundreds of miles away from Bethlehem and enter into this long and dangerous and expensive journey to come to find this baby Jesus that had been born? Why did these men that were wise, why did these men that the, these were not dumb men, these were not unintelligent men. In fact, these were very intelligent men. They were very wealthy men. And yet they had this desire within them, a desire that was so great that they were willing to travel hundreds of miles at their own expense in order to come and to find this child that had been born in Bethlehem's manger in order that they might bow down before him and offer him gifts and that they might worship him. I believe the reason that those original wise men were willing to go to that much trouble is because all people are created with a need to worship God. And I believe that that's not only a need that these original wise men had, I believe that it's a need that is placed in every person's life that is born on this earth. And I believe that need is placed there by God himself. It has been stated this way, that when God creates us as human beings, that he puts a God-sized hole in our life, in our uh, spirit, in our existence. God creates us with a God-sized hole that is not able to be filled with anything that this world has to offer. It's not able to be filled with religion. It's not able to be filled with money. It's not able to be filled with uh, physical relationships. It's not able to be filled with sinful habits. There's nothing that this world has to offer that can fill this God-sized hole that we're created with by God himself. Every one of us, not just the wise men of the Bible, but every one of us, every person that has ever lived, every person that is living, every person that ever will live has been created by God with a need to worship him. Now, of course, all of us do not realize that need. And in fact, today, many people would say, I don't have a need to worship God. But you see, I believe that those people are literally having to suppress the need that God has put within inside of them. The only way that they can ignore this need for God, the only way that they can come to the conclusion that they have no need or desire for God is to literally get up every day of their life and physically and emotionally and spiritually and in every other way to intentionally suppress the need that God has put within them, or either to try to fill that God-sized hole that's in their life with the things of this world or with things that will never uh, fill the need that God has placed within them. But I believe that all of us are created with this need to worship God. And certainly these wise men had this need to worship God. They had money. They had many things that the world says uh, that we need and many things that the world says that will make us happy and fulfilled. And yet we see in these wise men that they were still searching for something. They were still on this quest. They were still on this journey. They were still diligently seeking something that they had not found up until this time. And the reason that they were doing that, I believe, is because God created them with a need to worship him. And I believe that you and I have been created with that very same need. I believe that you and I have been created with that very same hole within us 
that cannot be filled, that cannot be satisfied with anything that this life has to offer, but it can only be satisfied when we know Jesus Christ personally as Savior and Lord, and when we worship him, and when we serve him, and when we give him our lives. But the second thing I see about this quest of Christmas, not only are all people created with a need to worship God, but I also see from this scripture that God always responds to our need to worship him by seeking to lead us to Jesus Christ. You see, not only has God created us with this God-sized hole, not only has God created every one of us and put within us from birth this desire to know him and to worship him, but God responds to that need that he's placed within us. He responds to every one of us by seeking to lead us to Jesus Christ. Notice that's exactly what he did with these wise men. The Bible says there in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. In the case of these original wise men, God responded to these men's need to worship God by seeking to lead them to Jesus Christ. And the way that he sought to lead them to Jesus Christ by was by actually putting a star in the sky because these men were men that studied astronomy. They, they were looking at the stars. They were uh, seeking to understand the planetary movements. And as they were looking at these things, God put a star there that they knew was unique, that they knew was different. And by following that star that God had put in the sky, the Lord brought them to the very place where Jesus was. The Bible says that when they traveled those hundreds of miles, that they came to the very house where Jesus and his family were, and the star rested above that place where Jesus was staying. And that's how the wise men found Jesus. The wise men were able to find Jesus because God put a spotlight on Jesus Christ. And in this case, he put the spotlight on Jesus Christ through this special star that they were following. But the reality is this. God is always putting a spotlight on Jesus Christ. You might remember when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the Bible says that the shepherds ride in their fields looking after their flocks at night. And the Bible says that all of a sudden the heavens were filled with a great host of angels that were singing and proclaiming and announcing the birth of Jesus Christ and telling the shepherds where they could go and find this baby Jesus. God is always shining the spotlight on his son, Jesus Christ. God did that for the shepherds. He did that for the wise men, and he does that for us today. God has created us with a God-sized hole in our heart, and nothing is going to satisfy that hole that we have until we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and until we serve him as Savior and Lord, and until we worship him with everything that we are and everything that we have. And in response to the need that we have to worship him, God is seeking to put a spotlight on Jesus Christ. He's seeking to help us find Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, that the whole world is without excuse. If we do not know and receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Romans 1 that the whole world is without excuse if for no other reason that the very creation itself demonstrates and lets us know that there is a true God and that he is Jesus Christ. The very creation the, the earth, the, the mountains, the, the rivers, the oceans, uh, the trees, the flowers, the canyons, the ma everything that we see, the stars, the moon, the sun, the planetary system, all of the things that God has created physically, all of them, the Bible says, point us to the fact that there is a creator God and that we need to know that creator God because we are the finite and he is the infinite. We are the created and he is the creator. And the very creation itself screams that there is a God. And it points us as we seek him through that creation, it points us to Jesus Christ. But you see, God doesn't just shine a spotlight on Jesus through the creation. He also does it through his word, the Bible. 
that has been preserved for thousands of years and God has preserved his word and the Bible from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, from Old Testament to New Testament, God's word, the Bible is about one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. Everything about the word of God, everything about the story of the Bible is pointing people to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and to worship him and to serve him with their lives. God has put his church The true church of Jesus Christ, the true Christian church is everywhere, scattered all over the face of the earth. Every country that you go to, there are churches, Christian churches. God has put those churches there. He has put those people that really are the church. He's put those people there as a shining light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's put them there as as a light on a hill that is shining forth the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he wants people to know him and he wants people to worship him. He's put his spirit. God's spirit is working in the world. He's calling people. He's speaking to people in that private place in their life, in that still small voice. That's why many people that are seeking to suppress that God-sized hole, people that are seeking to suppress that need that they have to know and worship God, that's why that many of those people, they never want to be where it's silent. They never want to be alone. They never want to be where it's quiet. They always have to have the TV turned up, music turned up. They always have to be around a group of people that are that are creating creating a lot of noise. They can't stand to be alone. They can't stand to be in silence. Why? Because every time they get alone, the Spirit of God is there, and He's witnessing to them through that still small voice that there is a God, and His name is Jesus, and they need a relationship with Him through faith and repentance. My friend, this quest, this quest to know And to worship Jesus Christ is the quest of Christmas. It's the quest of life. And what we see here is that all people are created with this need to worship God. And God always responds to our need to worship him by seeking to lead us to Jesus Christ, even as he sought to lead the wise men to Jesus Christ. The third thing we see is that Satan will always try to hinder people that are on a quest to worship God. Satan will always try to hinder people that are on a quest, a journey. Anybody that's diligently seeking God, diligently seeking Jesus Christ, Satan will always be there to try to hinder them in that process. In the passage of Scripture that we just read, Herod was a wicked ruler. And he was scared of Jesus Christ because he was scared that Jesus was going to grow up to be a physical king, a physical ruler that would challenge him uh, to the physical throne. And so Herod, uh, he, he, the wise men were not the only ones that had heard about Jesus and his birth. Herod, this wicked man, had also heard about Jesus being born through the prophecies of the Old Testament. And so he too was seeking Jesus, but he was not seeking Jesus to worship him. He was seeking Jesus because he wanted to kill him. And so when the wise men came, Herod called them and he said, look, when you find Jesus, come back and tell me where he is because I want to go and worship him also. But that was a lie. The reality was Herod did not want to worship Jesus Christ. He wanted to kill Jesus Christ. But what we know is this, that while Herod was the physical presence that was there speaking to the wise men, Herod was the physical ruler that was there acting in an earthly way. But we know spiritually that there was a greater power working in Herod's life, and that power is Satan, the devil himself. He hates God. He hates God's people. He hates Christ. He hates anybody to have a relationship with God. He hates anybody to worship God. He hates anybody to serve God. And he does everything within his power, and he uses everything at his disposal in this world to keep us and to hinder us on the quest that we need to be on to find and to know and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can promise you today, 
that if you begin to read the Bible, that if you begin to pray, that if you begin to go to church, that if you begin to, to take initiatives to know God and to worship God and to serve God, just like he was there through Herod seeking to hinder the wise men, he will come to you through people, through circumstances, through tragedy. He'll come to you in some way, just as he came to them, and he'll seek to hinder you in your quest to know Jesus and to worship him as well. Why? Because he hates God and he doesn't want any of us to have a relationship with God. That's the third thing that we see. Anytime somebody enters into this quest of Christmas, this quest of life to know and to worship Jesus Christ, Satan will always be there to try to hinder those people on their quest to worship God. A fourth thing that we see, not all people that claim to be on this quest to worship God are really authentic, and their desires and their worship is not always from the heart. And and that is discouraging. I'll just be honest with you. It's discouraging. Uh, I, I remember when I first became a Christian, and uh, I was 17 years old, 18 years old, and I started going to church, and I started reading the Bible, and I sought to try to uh, grow in my relationship with the Lord and grow in my uh, understanding of who He is and what He expected of me. And I sought to, to begin to worship Him and to serve Him. And one of the things that I very quickly realized is that not everybody that was in the church, not everybody who called themselves by the name of Christian, not everybody who was playing the religious game, not everybody who was pretending to be a follower of Jesus Christ was really what they said that they were. Not everybody was real. Not everybody was authentic. And that was true uh, when the wise men began their search. When they first met Herod, they didn't realize instantaneously that he was not authentic. They didn't realize instantaneously that he was not on the same quest that they were on, that he didn't have the same desire to seek God that they had, because he was expressing uh, with the words that, that sounded like he wanted to worship God too, that he wanted to know God too, that he wanted to serve God too. And so on the surface, for the moment, uh, they thought that Herod was genuine, but the reality was he was not genuine. Uh, the reality was uh, Herod had no desire to really worship God, to really know God, to really serve God. And and you're going to meet people like that too. And you're going to have to determine that these people are not going to derail you. They are not going to discourage you. They are not going to hinder you. They're not going to keep you from the quest that you're on. Just because there are people out there that are not sincere, just because there are people out there that are playing a game, just because there's people out there that are hypocrites, just because there's churches and people out there in churches that are not what they claim to be, that cannot derail you from the quest that you're on any more than it derailed the original wise men. They continued on. They continued to seek Jesus, even though Herod was a liar, even though Herod wasn't real, even though Herod wasn't authentic. The wise men uh, did not stop. They continued to seek Jesus. They found Jesus. They worshiped Jesus, and they did not let this distraction or this discouragement keep them from the quest that they were on. And I pray today that you will not let anything, maybe there's something in your past, maybe at some point in the past you you used to go to church, but you were discouraged by some hypocritical Christians that you found there in that church, or maybe you were hurt by uh, some people that claimed to be Christians but were not really authentic Christians, or maybe you've seen the ugly side of religion and church that can be there sometime, and that's caused you to be discouraged in your quest to know and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, I want you to see that today for what it is. It is an attempt by your enemy, by God's enemy, by Satan himself, to keep you from seeking the very thing that you need to be seeking. It's Satan seeking to kill, steal, and destroy in your life to keep you from entering into a relationship with the one that can give you an abundant life on this earth and eternal life in heaven. And I pray today that just like the wise men of old, 
were not discouraged from the quest that they were on, I pray that you will not be discouraged from the quest of Christmas, life's greatest quest, and that is to know and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The fifth thing I see is that the true quest of worship always leads us to worship Jesus Christ. The true quest of worship always leads us to worship Jesus Christ. And notice that's true here in this passage of Scripture. It says, beginning in verse 8, And he sent them on to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Verse 9, And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. What did God do? Despite these distractions, despite these setbacks that were brought into their life, into their quest, into their seeking of God, despite these challenges that were brought by Satan, God continued to work. And what did he do? He led them to the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the true quest of worshiping Almighty God the true quest of knowing and worshiping Almighty God will always lead us to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those wise men came and they bowed before him and they worshiped that Christ child. The focus of much of our worship today, the focus of much of the worship that's going on in people's lives and in churches around the world today is a worship that is focused on the wrong things and on the wrong people. God put the spotlight on Jesus Christ, and so should we. Even in many of our churches, the focus is not on Jesus. It's on entertaining the people. It's on the dead rituals and traditions of religion. It's on us. It's on the preacher. It's on some charismatic leader. It's on the building. It's on something other than Jesus Christ. But my friends, the truth is this. God has created within every person this God-sized hole that cannot be filled with anything other than Jesus Christ. Only when we come to know him personally, only when we come to be in a relationship with him through faith and repentance, only when we come to worship and serve him and to give him our lives completely, only then will this hole be fulfilled in our lives. And God is seeking to help us. Every one of us that he's created with this desire to know and worship God, he's seeking to help us in every way that he can. He's putting even creation itself as pointing to Jesus. The word of God pointing to Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ is like a lighthouse pointing to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is there speaking in that still small voice pointing to Jesus. Everything God can do, he's doing to point us to Jesus Christ. I want us to see a sixth thing here. The quest to passionately worship Jesus Christ is the only thing that produces lasting joy. And, you know, we talk a lot about joy during the holiday season, during the Christmas season in particular. Uh, in fact, many of the Christmas songs uh, have the word or the concept of joy in them. It's a joyful season, and it's a time of joy, or it's supposed to be the Christmas season. But the problem is this. Many people today, they're seeking joy. There's no doubt about it. They want joy. They want happiness. They want peace. They want the things that the Christmas season is supposed to be about. But they're seeking things that will not bring them that joy. They're seeking materialism. They're seeking presents. They're seeking money. They're seeking decorations. They're seeking a time with family. And while there's nothing wrong with any of those things, in and of themselves, what we have to realize is, is it doesn't matter how many relationships we have, none of those earthly relationships are going to bring us everlasting joy. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't ha matter how much materialism we have. It doesn't matter how big a house we live in. It doesn't matter how many cars are parked in our driveway. It doesn't matter how big our bank account is. It doesn't matter how uh, fancy our job title is. None of those things are ever going to produce an everlasting and abiding joy in our life. At best, they're going to produce a momentary 
fleeting happiness and earthly physical pleasure that will not last. There's only one thing. God has created us this way. I believe this with all my heart, and I believe that we see evidence of it in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God has created us this way, that there is a God-sized hole in our life, if you will, if we can refer to it like that. And that hole, that space, will never be filled with anything other than Jesus Christ. Many people have tried to suppress the worship of Jesus and fill the void in their lives with other physical things. But these things only produce momentary happiness and pleasure. Authentic worship of Jesus is the only thing that produces unending, abiding joy. Joy that transcends circumstances. Joy that transcends time. Joy that is unending, joy that, that is put there by God himself that says, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, educated or uneducated, sick or healthy, with a job, without a job, if the stock market's going up or if it's going down. It does not matter because once we have this relationship with Jesus Christ, once we have fulfilled this quest of Christmas to find and to know and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, it will produce this unending joy in our life. Notice it did for the wise men. In verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, a joy that's unspeakable, a joy that's unending, a joy that was eternal. And my friends, I pray that you find that joy this Christmas season, a joy that you cannot find through physical presence, through physical relationships, through the sins and the things that try to pull us away in this life. None of those things will ever produce that joy in your life. But if you will find Jesus Christ and if you will know him personally and if you will worship him authentically and serve him as Savior and Lord, it will produce that unending and abiding joy that you so desperately need and desire. The reason most people don't have that type of joy in their life today is because they're trying to find happiness and joy in something other than a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it will never happen. Many people, millions of people have tried before you and they have gotten more money than you'll ever get, and they've gotten bigger houses than you'll ever live in, and they've gotten nicer cars than you'll ever drive, and they've gotten uh, more powerful positions than you'll ever have in your career. And what they found out is that those things do not bring the joy that we're looking for. Solomon of old, the Solomon of the Old Testament, the Solomon of the Bible, he was one of the richest men that ever lived. And he wrote a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And in that book, he talks about all of the things that he tried, all of the physical indulgences that he entered into. And he entered into many on a grander scale than most of us will ever be able to enter into. And what he says in that book of Ecclesiastes is this. I found everything under the sun. I found everything that I tried to be vanity, to be nothing, to be useless. And he gets to the end of his book and he said, the only thing that I found that brought the type of life that I was looking for, the only thing that I found that produced the type of unending joy and peace that I was searching for was in God and in having a personal relationship with God. And my friends, that's true of us today as well. And then we see that the true quest to worship Jesus exalts Christ and humbles us. The true quest to know and to worship God always leads us to exalt Christ and humble ourselves. We see that's true of the wise men in verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, these wise men were men of position, were men of a power, were men of some wealth. And yet when they came into the presence of this child, Jesus, the Bible says that these men got down on their knees. They physically 
humbled themselves before this child and they bowed before him and they worshiped him with their lives and they worshiped him with their gifts. The true quest of Christmas, the true quest of life, and that is the quest to know and to worship God authentically will always lead us to exalt Christ and to humble ourselves. I come to church many times, I have to confess, I have realized in my own life that many times I and the people around me come to church, but we don't come to church to uplift Christ. We come to church to be uplifted ourselves. I've heard people speak like this. I've heard people speak critically uh, of the pastor and, and, and a sermon that he preached when, when uh, he would have to preach a hard sermon or a sermon on sin or a sermon on something that wasn't uh, joyful. And people would say later, I didn't like that sermon because that sermon was hard. And, that's, and, and I don't come to church to be talked to about sin and, and uh, judgment and the wrath of God. I come to church to be lifted up. My friends, if you are a person that does go to church and your main motivation in going to church is that you would be lifted up, then I'm here to tell you you're going for the wrong reason. Because churches do not exist Worship service, authentic worship services do not exist to lift you up. They exist to lift Christ up. They exist to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And every person that is on this authentic quest of Christmas to find, to know, to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, God will always lead them in that quest to exalt Christ and to humble themselves. I remember John the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Christ. He was the one that God sent to announce that Jesus was coming and to announce that Jesus was the Messiah. John the Baptist, he said, I'm not even worthy to unlace his sandals. John the Baptist said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. You know, we have too many people in this world today that are so proud that are so conceited, that are so arrogant, that think the whole world is about them and that life revolves around them. My friend, you haven't found the quest. If you think life is about you and what you want and what you desire, if you think that the world should revolve around you, then you are on the wrong quest. The quest of Christmas, the quest of life the greatest journey, the greatest adventure in this life is when we come to find the Lord Jesus Christ and to know him personally and to worship him. And it causes us to exalt him in our life and to humble ourselves before him. And then we see true worship requires first the giving of ourselves and then of our possessions. True worship requires us first to give of ourselves and then of our possessions. We see that when the wise men were there on their quest to worship Jesus, that they did that in verse 11. And they were coming to the house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The first thing that the wise men did when they came before Jesus, they humbled themselves. They exalted Christ. And as they worshiped him, they presented him first themselves, and then they presented him with their things, the, the physical possessions that they had. And that's what's going to happen on our quest. If our quest ends in finding Jesus Christ and in knowing Jesus Christ and in having a true and authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, the way that we're going to know that our quest has ended in the right place is we're willing to give ourselves, our lives to Jesus Christ, and then we're willing to give him everything that we are and everything that we have. My friends, today, there are many people, they know about Jesus. They have heard about Jesus. They've heard about this child that was born some 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem's manger. They know something of the story of his birth but the reality is they do not know him. They do not have a relationship with him through faith and repentance. They have never come to that place in their life that the wise men came to 
where they found the real Jesus and where they knew him as God and as Savior and where they humbled themselves and gave him their lives and gave him everything that they were and everything that they had. My friends, have you come to that place in your life today? Do you really know Jesus Christ, the one that was born in that manger 2,000 years ago? Have you been on the right quest, the right adventure in this life? And that is the quest, the adventure that ends in knowing and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Or is your adventure, your life, your quest, is it about you and about the things of this world? My friends, you'll never find happiness in that. You'll never find fulfillment in that. You'll never find peace and unending eternal joy in that because it can only be found when we know and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see that on our quest to worship God, the Lord speaks to us personally. When we really determine that in this life we're going to be on a quest, on a journey to know Christ and to worship Him and to serve Him, when we do that, God is going to be there, and He is going to speak to us in very personal intimate ways, just like he did the wise men of old. Notice in verse 12, it says, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. God spoke to them. They not only came and found baby Jesus and recognized him as God and as Savior, and they not only humbled themselves and exalted him, they not only worshiped him by giving him their lives and giving of their possessions to him, But what we see is that God entered into a relationship with them. God spoke to them. Now, he spoke to them in a dream. And in the Bible, we find God speaking in many ways. Sometimes he speaks to people face-to-face in an audible voice. Sometimes he speaks in a dream like he did to them. Sometimes he speaks through an angel. Sometimes he speaks through a vision. Sometimes he speaks through a prophet. The main way that God speaks today is through his word, the Bible and through the Holy Spirit, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. But the the thing is this, God is still speaking to his people. Anybody that will seek him, God will speak to you. God will help you in your life. God will be there. He will meet you more than halfway. If you will turn to him, if you will seek him, if you will worship him, if you will give him your life, he will enter into a relationship with you and he will help you in these daily issues that you have in your life, just like he spoke to the wise men of old. And I know what some people are going to say. Some people are going to say, well, he doesn't speak to me like that. Well, my friends, what I want to say to you is he would if you were on a quest to know him and to worship him. He would speak to you like that if you'd take time to read his word. He would speak to you like that if you would humble yourself before him. He would speak to you like that if you would give him your life and if you would give of your possessions to him. He would speak to you like that if you would serve him. If you would make your life and the adventure of this life, if you would make it about him, he would speak to you like that. You can go and you can find any character of the Bible, Old Testament or New, and you cannot find one of those men, not one of those women in the Bible that were on a quest to know and to worship God, that God did not speak to them in a very personal way and seek to enter into a relationship with them. And my friends, not only can you not find anybody in the Bible that God was not willing to speak to, you can't find anybody in the history of the world. Even before I was looking for God, he was looking for me. Even before I was searching for him, he was searching for me. Even before I ever uttered a prayer to him when I was in my teens, he was speaking to me through his word, through other godly people through that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, I'm here to tell you today, he's speaking to you as well. You just need to take time to hear him. You just need to still yourself and to get away from the noise and the distractions that Satan is putting in your life. You just need to allow yourself the ability 
to listen. God said many times, Jesus said many times in the New Testament, he asked this question. He, he, he said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And my friends, he wasn't saying those people don't have physical ears. He was saying they've got physical ears. They could hear me, but they have chosen to be deaf. They've chosen not to hear me. They've chosen not to listen to my voice. And my friends, if you're not hearing God speak today, if you're not hearing God speak to you, even through this sermon that you're listening to on the radio, then it's not because God is not speaking, but it's because you're not listening. And then finally, we see that authentic worship produces obedient followers of Jesus Christ. The quest to know and to worship God, if we will get on that quest and if we will follow that journey and if we will follow that adventure, and if we will follow that seeking to know God and to worship Him and to serve Him, if we will follow that to the end, that authentic quest to worship God will always produce obedient followers of Jesus Christ. Notice what it says about these wise men. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. They heard from God, and they were obedient to what they heard. We see that scenario over and over in the Bible. People that heard from God, and as they heard from God, they responded to him in obedience, and they became lifelong followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was 17 years old, I was involved in everything that I ought not to be involved in, and I was going the wrong way as fast as I could go the wrong way. And I was not looking for God, and I was not interested in his church, and I didn't want anything to do with his word. I was I was so far away from him. But my friends, God, even though I wasn't seeking him, he was seeking me. You know why? Because he had put a God-sized hole in my life that could only be filled by God himself. And I was doing everything that I could at 17 years old to fill that hole, to fill that void with everything other than God himself. And God, because he's the one that created me with that hole, with that desire to know and to worship him, he was seeking to work in my life. He was seeking to show me the truth. He was seeking to reveal Jesus Christ to me. And one day he was able to do that. One day, even though I wasn't looking for him, he came looking for me. Even though I wasn't listening for him, he was speaking to me. And I thank God that he was pursuing me. And I can tell you that just like the wise men had the hindrance of Herod, and I'm sure other hindrances that we're not even told about, that affected them negatively on this quest, on this journey to know and to worship Jesus Christ, I can tell you that I had many people in many circumstances around the time that I was coming to know who Jesus was and around the time that I was coming to to give my life to Jesus and to serve Jesus and to worship him around those days, weeks, and months, I had many people in many circumstances that Satan used to try to discourage me, to try to derail me, to try to get me to turn back from knowing Christ and giving my life to Christ. And my friends, I'm sure that you've had that same thing. Satan has put obstacles in your life. Satan has put people and circumstances in your life if I could hear your story, if I could hear your testimony, I'm sure you could give me many examples of things that have uh, been used. And maybe at the time you didn't realize it was Satan that was doing it. But maybe today through God's word, you understand that those obstacles, those distractions, those things were put there by Satan himself because he does not want you to know Christ and he does not want you to worship Christ. But my friends, I pray today that even as we see this great quest that these wise men were on, that we'll see that the quest of Christmas is indeed the quest of life. And the quest of these wise men was to come to see Jesus, was to come to know who Jesus was, was to come to worship and give their lives and everything that they had and everything they were to Jesus Christ. And my friends, not only was that the quest of the wise men, I believe it should be the quest of everybody this Christmas season to know personally that Jesus that was born in Bethlehem's manger 2,000 years ago, and not only to know him personally through faith and repentance, 
but to bow before him, to humble ourselves before him and to worship him and to serve him with everything that we are and everything that we have. And that we'll be just like the wise men, that we'll get up and that we'll follow him. We'll become his disciples. We'll follow him in obedience all the days of our life. And my friends, if we'll do that this Christmas season, I can promise you based on the authority of God's word that as you come to know Jesus and as you come to worship and to serve him and give him your life, I can promise you based on the authority of God's word that you will experience a joy that's unspeakable, a joy that is abiding not only today, but every day that you live. And it will be an eternal abiding joy, a joy that will not be uh, based on the circumstances that you're going through, but it will transcend whatever circumstances you're going through. The joy that comes from knowing and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, my prayer for you this Christmas season, my prayer for your family is that in this greatest time of year, that you would be on the greatest quest that you could be on, the greatest adventure that you could be on. And my friend, I pray that that adventure would end in you knowing Jesus Christ personally and that it would end in you worshiping him and serving him and following him all the days of your life. And my friends, I pray that as you do that, that you and your family will find an unspeakable joy that never ends. And that's my prayer for you this Christmas season. Amen. You're listening to Save to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall and his message entitled, The Quest of Christmas. If you'd like a CD copy to listen to again or to give to a friend, simply visit our website to request a copy. Just go to uttermostevangelism.org and click on the banner at the bottom of the front page. Again, our website is uttermostevangelism.org. And while you're there, the same banner will get you a free copy of Brian's booklet entitled, Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. We want to make sure you know that you know you've found salvation in Jesus Christ. In this easy-to-read book, Brian Tyndall examines the five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. And we'd like to give you a copy absolutely free. Just click on the banner at the bottom of the homepage of uttermostevangelism.org. If you'd prefer to write us, our mailing address is Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Again, that's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. You can even call us. Our phone number is 662-372-1912. 662 662- Three seven two one nine one two. Either way, please contact us and allow us to bless you with this free resource. Brian Tyndall is a full-time missionary evangelist and has planted churches, preached revivals, led evangelistic meetings, plus he's trained pastors here in the States and all over the world through the ministry of uttermost evangelism. Would you help us impact even more lives with the gospel in the new year? Your support helps continue kingdom growth. Make your tax-deductible donation when you visit uttermostevangelism.org or send your gift to P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Thanks for listening today. Join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him. God bless and Happy New Year. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.